Hello, everybody. Welcome to another True Crime Thursdays. Today, we're talking about the Sackhead Jason from Friday the 13th, part two. <laughs> it's going to be good stuff. Based on real life events. going to be good stuff, man. Boom. Yes, that is. <laughs> you said boom. <laughs> I always say boom. It's a good it's a good transition into a boom, you know, like Is that? Is that considered an onomatopoeia? I don't even know boom? what an, I don't know what an onomatopoeia is. It's a word that's a sound like slam or cram. <laughs> something like cram. That. cram. I I have a hard time believing that that's real. <laughs> it's real, dude. Try and spell it, I dare you. Uh O N O M O N O P E I A. Oh wow. That's it, right? Ono, you've been practicing. Onomatopoeia. I don't know how to spell it. I was just seeing if you could do it. I uh, that that's uh, I'm pretty sure that's the spelling. Should we look this up? Should we look this Ono Mono that's not gonna work. That's just <laughs> Nope, I spelled it wrong. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a T. It's onomato, and then there's an O before the P-E-I-A. Huh. So it's onomatopoeia. Poeia. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll take that. I don't... We'll take it. Yeah, welcome to True Crime Thursdays. Welcome. This is an episode of Stuff, where we talk about things, and what are you waving I, your I hand about? I again. Dude, we keep... <laughs> All right, so there's this thing that Brie does... <laughs> where she burps, and it smells fucking terrible. Like it's, 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 it smells god awful. It's only when I'm drinking these, like specifically these micheladas. Like they make my burps smell so bad. It's awful. That is a it's mango a michelada for the audio listeners. It's delicious. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is my case today, and yeah. uh, I already told you what we're going to be covering. Yes. Yeah, I already told you. Um, so what we're covering today is the Texarkana. Moonlight Murders. The killer is known as the Phantom Killer. He is known to have killed five people, injured three, all in 1946. And this was in a matter of like a couple months, like not that, not that big of a timeline. Oh wow, he was on one. Killed a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And in uh, two days, it actually will have been 74 years since his brutal attacks took place in the town of Texarkana, Texas. Holy shit. That's crazy. And also, that's kind of up for debate because there's also, uh, I got lost in a little bit of the, I think some of the murders might have happened in Arkansas, Texarkana, and some happened in Texas, Texarkana, because it's the same city, and they're like, well, not the same city, but there's two towns with the same name, and they're right next to each other, and then sometimes they get together for a little ramboozle. That is stressful. Yeah, but that's what they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Texas. They have a little rassle-tassle. A little rassle, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that, that's a word for it, I'll give you that. <laughs> rassle. So, this man, the Phantom Killer, he acquired his nickname after a string of killings to which he was never caught for. Headlines started popping up in the Texarkana Daily News. Phantom Killer eludes officers as investigation of slayings pressed. Phantom Slayer eludes police. Phantom Slayer still at large as probe continues. Probe. Yeah, that's that not. That's funny. That's not an alien anal probe. <laughs> I, I can't guarantee it, but I, I'm gonna say it's not. I'm gonna say it is. 
Yeah, so maybe it is. So the manager of the Gazette asked if they could not refer to him as the Phantom because they were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't give this guy a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> and the he Phantom. received... That is a cool name. It is a cool name, but he shouldn't get a cool name. No, he shouldn't. He and sucks. then uh, this manager received the answer, uh, why not? If the son of a bitch continues to elude capture, he certainly can be called a Phantom. <laughs> so yeah, you're speaking... Very, certainly. You're speaking really matter-of-factly there. <laughs> like, all right, asshole. So today... Like I said, the Tex Arcana Moonlight Murders. And the, per the perpetrator, to this day, still has never been captured, or at least the case has not been closed. We're kind of going to get into some of that stuff. Okay, I'm excited for that, because the I've never looked into this case. I've only seen both of the movies, so... Yes, and as Brie mentioned, there are two movies. Yes. Which is really cool. There's one from 1976, mm -hmm. which, fun fact, um, since 2003... Every single October in Texarkana, they play this movie at like a, a movies at night event kind of thing. That's fucking dope. They've been doing it every year since 2003. It's like a new tradition. That's really cool. And there was another movie that came out in uh, 2014, which is actually, it's one of the most interesting remakes I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I remember I watched, um, I watched the remake first and I was like, why, what? I've never like even heard of this movie. And then, like, a few years later, I watched, like, the original. <laughs> it's weird how they do it in the remake, but I like it. It's really good. I like them both, but the remake is this really it's this really meta thing. Yeah. Where, like, they're watching the movie, and they're kind of doing that. They're doing that thing where, like, the tradition of watching mm -hmm. the movie every year, and then the murders start happening again with, like, a copycat killer of the same kill. It's fucking crazy. Like, that movie blows crazy. my mind. It, it, it makes you, like... I don't want to say it makes you think because it's not like that, but it makes you have to use your brain instead of just relaxing and watching a movie, like oh, which not, is a good time. Though. A little bit. It's not too much. Like it's not like one of those movies where like you got to pay attention or you're not gonna. Well, follow no, what's going no, I'm just saying it's just kind of like like oh you, you think about to, it like, for a second. You're yeah, like, oh, you have wait. to think about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it's, what I was. Saying. It's fucking cool. There's a lot of sex in it. I don't. I oh didn't, yeah. I don't remember how much sex there was. I remembered sex, but I was like, oh, there's a there's. There's a lot of sex in here. <laughs> a lot of sex in here. There's at least three. I don't know, at man. At least three. There's a lot at of At least that three shit. sex. <laughs> so he's never been captured to this day, like, quote unquote. We'll talk about that. But um, some believe that they know who he is and others have conspiracies. Some people even think that the Phantom Killer and the Zodiac Killer are the same person. I've I've heard that. I think that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I was gonna say like the uh, if you look into the timeline, like it just does not make sense. Like I get like some of it. I think like maybe maybe Zodiac was like inspired by him, and maybe he was alive around this. I don't. I, I just I don't know, man. I think that's a bunch of fucking malarkey. If you ask me, it's a bunch of bullshit. I love that word. It's a great word. I love that word. <laughs> so these murders have since made Texarkana famous, and they are thought to be responsible for tales such as the Hookman. You ever uh -huh. heard of the Hookman tale? Uh, is that the one from like I know what you did last summer? Uh, no, no, it's, no, that no, that's a different hook. Man. I've never heard of it then. <laughs> okay, so the basic premise involves a young couple cuddling with a radio playing. Suddenly, a news bulletin reports that a serial killer has just escaped from a nearby institution. The killer has a hook for one of his hands, and that is really the only way that anyone can identify him. Mm. For varying reasons, they decide to leave quickly. In the end, the killer's hook is either found hanging from the door handle or it's embedded into the door itself. Every time I've heard that story, it's always hanging from the door handle. You ever heard that one? I've never heard that story. I've heard that story a lot, actually. It's like an old, like, couple tale, like, pretty much don't go into a car and, like, you know, do go naughty and shit. Do stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just an old tale, and that's this is pretty much where that tale originates from. Oh, that's really cool. 
So the murders are also fairly widely known throughout the horror community because, like we said, in the 1976 movie and the 2014 movie, this is portrayed and it's played mm-hmm. all the fucking time. So I think that's really cool, too, because the true crime genre kind of melded over yeah. into the horror movie genre mm-hmm. in this one. Like, you have some cases of that, like a, a pretty decent amount of cases of that, but this one was one of the first. This The yeah. first um, Town of the Dreaded Sundown came out two years after Texas Chainsaw and Black Christmas. Because they were 1974, yeah. it came out in 1976, and that's a really crazy thing about like a true crime horror movie came out that fucking that early. That, like it when you say 1976, it doesn't really sound like that long ago. And you think about it, but like, it yeah. was it was a cool minute ago. Uh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so the killer caused absolute hysteria during his reign of terror. At first, parents warned their children about being out late, and when the murders continued, curfews were set for businesses. Oh, shit. Residents started locking doors, pulling down shades, blocking windows, and arming themselves with guns. On February 22nd of 1946, Jimmy Hollis, who was 25 at the time, and Mary Jean Larry, who was 19 at the time, went on a movie date, Hmm. and they headed over to a lover's lane after, uh, you know, after their movie to do some good old-fashioned, uh, Snuggling. Snuggling. <laughs> That's what they're calling it. That's what they're doing it. But unfortunately, the snuggling did not last for long. Yikes. As it usually does not. <laughs> for other reasons, usually. <laughs> it's because I want to leave. I <laughs> so, want to go home. <laughs> so, around 10 minutes later, a man wearing a white cloth mask who uh, literally seems like he looked like Jason Voorhees in part two. Friday the 13th? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even in the portrayal, like that is, that's what Jason was originally based off of. At least uh, that's yeah. my theory because he looks exactly so. like the fucking town that dreaded sun- sundown. Dude, I like, would say so, definitely. He looks exactly like him, down to the mask and everything. Especially if you play the Friday the Thirteenth video game. Yeah, it looks just fucking like it. I suck so hard at that video game, yeah, but I do. still love playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this guy arrives at Jimmy's driver's side door, and he shined a flashlight in the window, like, "Hey, what you doing, bud?" Like a cop. And Jimmy at first thought that it was just some dude pranking them, because mm-hmm. you know. Like, not really much happened around this town, so they were kind of just like, oh, well, you know, it's just some... That's probably what you think, you know? Like, someone's just flying a... Shining a flashlight on you when you're making out with your girlfriend, like, ah, get out of here, high school (laughs) dick. And, uh, however, that's not what happened. He told him that he had the wrong person. The man responded, I don't want to kill you, fellow, so do what I say. That's fucking scary. So, the masked man ordered Jimmy and Mary to exit the vehicle, and he focused on Jimmy, and he said, take off your goddamn britches. And that, that uh, gives away the the era that this happened right there. Britches. It, britches. Yes, yes. It totally puts you in that. A lot of things in this are going to put you in that time and place. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. So, so Jimmy, confused, was like, what the hell are you talking about, partner? <laughs> but the man repeated himself, and Jimmy did as he was told. He the, took off his goddamn britches. He took off his britches. And the man then hit Jimmy over the head multiple times with his handgun, and he knocked Jimmy out anyway. And Mary thought the dude was trying to rob them. So, and the whole time too, he looked at her and he was like, turn around. So she mm-hmm. was like, she didn't know exactly what was going on the whole time. It was dark too. Yeah, it was yeah. dark. It was late at night. All of these murders happened at night, like yeah. after nine o'clock at least, like or after like eight o'clock-ish. So she thought they were, that the man was trying to rob them. So she showed Jimmy's wallet and she was like, hey dude, we don't have any money. Yeah. He called her a liar and then he struck her with a blunt object. Mm-hmm. He then told her to run, and he started doing some weird psychological shit with her because he was like, all right, stop running. And then he was like, all right, run that way. 
Like, he was just fucking with her. Holy shit, dude. And then she eventually, she ran to a car, but it was empty. Like, she was trying to, like, you know, mm-hmm. ask for help, but there was no one there. Oh, the, man. The man caught up to her and asked her why she was running. Obviously, she was like, because you fucking told me <laughs> to. Like, you literally just told me to run. Oh, my God. Dude. And he again was like, liar! And he sexually assaulted her with the barrel of his gun. Yikes. Yeah, not... Good. And uh, after the panic, Mary ran off and tried to flag down a car, but she was ignored. She then ran to a house and she fucking like pounded on it until she got an answer just like, like fucking answer me. Yeah. And the owners woke up and they were able to call the police. Oh, thank God. So during this time, Jimmy woke up and got the attention of a passerby because he was passed out this whole time. Yeah, he got knocked out. So the guy left. Like, he got the attention of this guy. The guy left. He was like, all right, I'm going to leave you here and go call someone, which I think that was a weird decision. But I would have taken him with me. Yeah, I, I guess mean, different time. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't you know. don't. I guess You never know. Issues. You yeah. never know until you're in the situation. Yeah, so sure. in about 30 minutes, um, Bowie County Sheriff W.H. Bill Presley and three other officers arrived at the scene of the attack. That's a whole name. That is a, whole, a whole name. I was name. just going to say yeah. that. <laughs> So the men had already left, and they found Jimmy's <laughs> pants about 100 yards away from the crime scene. I just you still laughing about that name? Yeah, its first name is W. <laughs> like, imagine. I think that pa- stands for something. No, I they know. They just name you W? I know. I was just going to say, like, imagine your parents are like, uh, yeah, your name is going to be W-H. <laughs> that's like. And then a B. <laughs> that's, they, like, had a female name planned out that, like, started with those letters, and then a boy came out, and they were like, ah. Just- w. W-B, that works. There you go. Like, that works. Name. So, unfortunately, Mary was hospitalized overnight, and Jimmy was out of commission for a few weeks due to multiple skull fractures. Wow, he beat the shit out of him, dude. Yeah, Mary also said later that she assumed Jimmy was dead. And the reason for this is because the strikes on him were so fucking loud that she thought that the man shot him. Holy fuck, dude. Yeah, really fucked up. So, unfortunately, shit got tricky when they were questioned. Mary Uh seemed to recall that the man was about six feet tall and that he was a black man wearing a white sheet over his head with holes cut out on the mouth and eyes. Okay. But then they talked to Jimmy, and he was like, hey, I was blinded by by the flashlight. I didn't get the greatest look. But then he said, but, you know, I think it was a white man. And he was like, and I don't remember seeing a mask. But he was like, you know, the dude was like six feet tall. So he was a big dude. So police actually seemed to think that Mary was lying. They thought that the attacker was a possible ex-boyfriend of hers who wasn't too thrilled about her moving on. And, you know, it does sound outlandish, but then when you think about the same time, it's like there weren't any attacks going on around here, and it did sound like that attack was without reason. They were like, okay, why did they not focus on you? Why did they tell you to turn around? Why did they make this guy take off his pants, didn't rape him, you know, beat him? And then went on to you and then let you run away. So they were like, they were trying to piece out where it was. I can imagine like looking at all of the evidence, how it would seem bad. But then again, like she was sexually assaulted. And I could assume oh, yeah. that there was proof from that. Well, there being was. That she was in the hospital for a few days. Well, there was. Well, they questioned her pretty shortly after. Okay. It was like when they had to question her, you know, when it was still fresh in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I think some of the cops around here are complete fucking bozos, but some of them actually- Most are. Yeah, some of them uh, did seem to do a lot for this case and worked on it, like, their entire lives. Some of them kind of did seem stupid, so yeah, I think, like, yeah, you shouldn't blame the victim, but also at the same time, I, I get, like, just their- you know, their questions just like, yeah. I don't like, this seems like a weird situation. They're trying to piece it together. But then as they realize, you know, when more shit starts going on, that's when they're like, Oh, 
there is no reason for this. This shit's just happening. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But this was the first attack, so, you know, the cops are trying to and figure out what's going 1946, on. 1946, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Long time ago. So, around a month later, the Phantom struck again. Richard L. Griffin, age 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, age 17, were I'm, found. I'm not going to say anything about that. Carry it, on. Different time. I guess. That's but. really what it is. Um, I looked into <laughs> but this. But that's like uh, yeah, 12 it, years apart. Yes. I looked into this a little bit. Apparently, like the age for marriage was around like, it, the average was around 20 at the time. And today, the average for marriage is around like 27-ish. Oh, okay. So it was just kind of like a different time. And I think it might have, I don't know for sure if it was legal at that time, under 18. I don't know what the. It might have been I in don't uh, know, Texas. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I think Texas is 18. I think Nowadays, I yeah, think nowadays it's I think Texas is eighteen, but it you know might have been younger back then. But I think I don't know if we talked about this before, but actually California is like one of only like seven states that have the legal age Over at eighteen. 18. Yeah. I think that's so weird because we've lived here like forever. So I'm like, I look at someone under eighteen, I'm like, you're a don't, child. Yeah, I'm like, don't even walk next to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I I don't want to talk to you. You bitches could never. Yeah, just kidding. So just kidding. That's mean. <laughs> so it's I don't know. It's weird, but I guess that's just kind of it's yeah. different or all around the United States. Nowadays, if somebody was 29 dating a 17 year old, I'm calling the police. Yeah, I call, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I don't even care if you're in a state where that's allowed. I don't give a well, shit. Well, I guess dude, I can't. I guess I can't. But yeah, I still look down on you. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> you are being judged. <laughs> uh, so they were found dead in Richard's 1941 Oldsmobile sedan on March 24th, 1946. Oh, wow. This was between 8.30 and 9 o'clock a.m. That so, they were found. That they were found, yes. Okay. So the car was parked on the side of the road, and a passerby noticed and assumed that there was just, like, two people sleeping in the car. Mm-hmm. But, you know, upon further investigation, that's not the case. So Richard was found between the front seats um, on his knees with his hand resting on his crossed hands. With his head resting on his crossed hands. Yeah, I read that weird. His head resting on his crossed hands and his pockets turned inside out. Mm. And Polly was found face down in the back seat. And evidence suggests that her body was actually moved and that she was killed on a blanket outside of the car. Huh. So both had been shot in the back of the head, but Richard was also shot twice while still in the car. A bloody patch of sand outside suggested that both may have been killed outside of the car and then moved back in. Hmm. So there were rumors that Polly had been sexually assaulted, but apparently the bodies had been taken away before any tests were done. I'm not sure why this happened. Uh, That doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Um, After this, police launched a citywide investigation along with the Texas and Arkansas City Police, the Department of Public Safety, Miller and Cass County Sheriff's Departments, and the FBI. Holy shit. So this shit was fucking real. That's like, a this, huge fucking... This was yeah. serious. So by March 30th, police had interviewed close to 60 potential suspects and posted a $500 reward in an effort to gain any new information that led to the capture of the attacker. And in uh, 1946, $500 was around like $6,500. Holy bejesus. So unfortunately, the calls the authorities received may have done more harm than good. As we see in a lot of cases. Yeah. So they soon after received over a hundred false leads. They were both killed with a point thirty two Colt pistol. I don't know what that means. Thirty two caliber. There you go. So Richard Lanier Griffin was a carpenter, a painter, and a war veteran who had only just returned home the year earlier. Ah, oh, poor fella. Polly Ann Moore had just graduated from high school the year before her murder. Her friends described her as homey. Not as like a homie, but you know, like she, she likes, was, she was she, a homie girl. She's a homie. She likes being home. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> and her and Richard had only been dating for about five or six weeks at the time of their deaths. Oh, man. So only around three weeks had passed before the town of Tex Arcana had heard from the Phantom again. 
On the evening of Saturday, April 13th, Bretty Joe Booker, who was only 15 years old, had a show at the VFW Club with her band, uh, the Rhythmaries. Rhythmaries. I'm not gonna attempt that. I actually heard this pronounced and I forgot how to pronounce it. So it's like <laughs> it's like Rhythmari, Rhythmaries. Rhythmaries? I think it's Rhythmaries. I think it's like Rhythmaries or something like that. Rhythmaries? I think it's I think it's Rhythmaries. Rhythmaries? I'm pretty I'm like ninety nine percent positive it's Rhythmaries oh, now that okay. I'm saying it. So she was pretty much, she was a badass fucking saxophone player. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And in the early hours of April 14th, her friend Paul Martin, of 17 years old, arrived to pick her up from the performance. This was around 1.30 a.m. supposedly because our band, like, they played a lot of late shows in a lot of cool places. So neither of them were ever seen again. Oh, that sucks. Paul's body was found at around 6.30 a.m. by a passing family. He was lying on his side, and upon investigation, blood was found further down on the side of the road by a fence. So it pretty much said that like you know, he walked for a while. Oh, so he like he bled out. Yeah, um, oh, he had been shot four times: once through the nose, again through the left fourth rib from behind, a third time in the right hand, and then finally through the back of his neck. Oh my god, dude! Betty's Joe body, Betty Joe's body wasn't found until hours later, and it was around two miles away from Paul's body, and it was mm-hmm. behind a tree. Okay. Her body was lying on its back. She was fully clothed, and she had her right hand in the pocket of her overcoat. Mm-hmm. And she was shot twice, once through the chest and once in the face. The weapon used was the same as in the first double murder. It was a thirty-two automatic Colt pistol. Mm-hmm. So Paul's car was found about three miles away from Betty's Joe body, from Betty Joe's body, <laughs> and about, I don't know why I keep saying that. Betty's Joe. And around a mile and a half away from his body. It was parked outside Spring Lake Park with the keys still in it. Examinations of the body show that they had both put up a horrendous struggle. Like, they fought their asses off. I was going to say, because um, Paul was shot in the hand, so he was probably, like, going like that. And you Exactly. Know, it was shot four times in different places. Yeah, so. and in the nose, dude. That's fucked up. Oh, man. That's fucked up. So, law enforcement was unable to locate Booker's saxophone at the, at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. It was later found in some brush near her body, which kind of shows how hard police looked. Yeah, it took them like they six months. Hard. It took them like six months to find it. And what I read, it literally said it was like in some shrubs, like by her body. So I'm like, okay, you didn't didn't look, even check the surrounding area. Yeah, at the crime scene that much. If that's a fucking case. So this actually inspired a pretty iconic scene in the 1976 rendition of The Town of Dread Sundown. I don't know if you remember, but the killer, he attaches a knife. I don't think it's a saxophone. It's like a fucking trombone or something. Oh my God, I do remember this. No, it's not a trombone. It's a, It's not a saxophone either, though. It's, it's a, the one um, that you go like this with, right? What is it? Uh, oh, wait, no, that is a trombone because I was confusing trombone with tuba. Tuba's a huge one. So it was a trombone. It wasn't a saxophone because I don't think you could do this with a saxophone. Uh, you could not. Um, so... He has this fucking trombone. And I remember he, this part. He's like practicing, like blowing in and out with it. And then he attaches a knife to it and he's like, mm-hmm. and he's fucking stabbing this chick yeah, in the back while she's on the tree. I remember his, that scene, dude. It's it's like comical. It's so fucking weird. Like, it kind of, yeah, it's really fucking cool, but it's, it's, it's can you, can I'm you, sorry this happened in real life, but th- that part in the movie. Well, was I don't cool. think that happened in real no, life. No, I'm cause... saying I'm sorry that she died in real life because oh, in the movie yeah. it was, oh, yeah. it was kind of funny. You know? uh, well, yeah, and, you know, in the movie they're like, these are all true events. This is how it happened. Just the names were changed. And I'm like, that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> like that, I don't. Like that part. I mean, is, it, it could have. It could have, yes, uh, but that there's no. 
Her, her, her saxophone was found... First of all, it's a saxophone, so no, that didn't happen. Second of all, it was found still in its case, just lying in some shrub nearby. So, like, yeah. that didn't happen. That that movie, the 1976 movie, is fucking wacky. It is. It's pretty wacky. Dude, the antics of the cops in that movie is fucking ridiculous. It almost uh, makes dude, me I think... I want to watch it. It makes me think that the cops are even... I rewatched both of these while I was doing the research of this, because I haven't watched them in like a year or two. But I rewatched both of them, and I was like, holy shit, this 76 version is so wacky. <laughs> like, they were literally just like joking about this dumb cop who was like, oh shit, I forgot the keys, and like runs inside. He's like, I gotta get the keys. I remember uh first time I watched it was probably like... The original was probably like five years ago, and it was on Netflix or something. Mm. And I saw, oh, yeah, I saw the... um the sack on his head and I was like oh fuck that looks cool so I put it on and I was like holy shit and then it said based on true events and I was like oh my god even better really crazy story really crazy movie it is I even feel like as you're reading this I feel like we're doing a movie episode it's weird because it kind of is it's like if you guys want to know a lot of if you watch the movies like yeah they're yes they are loosely based but Mm -hmm. it tells you pretty much everything like kind of how it went like it it gives you the timeline and the story pretty Mm -hmm. perfectly so, Betty Jo was 15 at the time of her death. All of her friends described her as an incredible, lively person. Really Aww. sad. Paul was only 17 at the time of his death, and he was just kind of known as like a quiet church kid. So, they were both just really nice people just, who yeah, like, didn't serve any of this. It's pretty fucked so up. Sad, yeah. Neither of them had even graduated high school yet. Oh, man. So, that's fucked up. Uh, the reward was now near $2,000 in 1946 money for any useful information. So, that's what, like... Uh, Close to like 24000 25000 yeah. I think that's like 25000 now. So uh, rumors circulated throughout the area with one rumor suggesting that a local minister had turned in his own son as a suspect in the Martin Brooker murders. Or Booker. Oh my. Sorry, I had a burp. A minister turned his own son in as a suspect? It, it's a rumor. Oh, okay. So on April 18th, uh, Captain Gonzalez. Gon- Gonzalez. Gonzalez. I don't know how to say his name, but it's Gonzalez. Uh, he is, <laughs> she issued a statement to the public during a press conference verifying that the murder had not been caught and that the rumors circulated among the public and in the newspapers were malarkey. Utter malarkey. But actually, he said, a hindrance to the investigation and harmful to innocent persons. And yeah, uh, he's, yes. He's right. We are in the 1940s. <laughs> he's right. So another three weeks had now passed and another event. Oh, no. On Friday, May 3rd, sometime before 9 p.m., Virgil Starks, a farmer and welder, age 37, was in his ranch house, and he turned on his favorite weekly radio show. His wife, Katie, uh, age 36, gave him a heating pad for his sore back, remember Mm -hmm. that, and went to her bedroom. She heard something in their backyard and asked Virgil to turn down his radio and check it out. So he's like, all right, bet. I'm the man of the house. I'll squish that spider for you, baby. But unfortunately, he does not squish that spider. He gets squished. Oh, he was the spider. A few seconds later, two gunshots were fired into the back of his head through a closed window. Oh, my God. Like, literally seconds after she was like, hey, can you check this out? His wife didn't uh, hear the gun. That, sh- this part's really... Fu- this That terrifies me, dude. That no, this whole so story right here is fucking life-shattering. It's terrifying. His wife didn't hear the gunshots. She only heard the broken glass. Okay. Because his pistol, I don't know if it was a quiet pistol or if he had a silencer on it. It seems like in the movies, it seems like it's depicted like he has a silencer on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the case was. I don't know the case about old 1946 pistols, but uh, maybe they're not loudest. 
So she thought her husband dropped something and went to check it out. And when she got into the room, she saw her husband stand up and then fall back down into his chair. After being shot in the head twice. Yeah. She saw blood and she ran to him and lifted up his head. And when she realized he was dead, she ran to the phone to call the police. She's, that is fucking horrifying. Yeah. She started calling, and within two rings, she was shot in the face twice. One bullet entered her right cheek and exited behind her left ear. So it went like that, like diagonal yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah. So the other went in just below her lip, and it broke her jaw, and it splintered out several teeth before lodging under her tongue. Oh, my God. She dropped to her knees. But she managed to get back up to her feet. Oh my god, dude! She ran. It's a poor tough mama bear. She right fucking ran to get a pistol from the living room, but she was literally blinded by the blood. Oh, I bet she was probably like. So oh. she heard the killer tearing at screen wire from the porch, and she assumed that she was going to be killed. So she stumbled toward her bedroom near the front of the house to leave a note. Holy fuck, dude! The killer That's thinking on your feet, like That's literally, dude. Crazy. The killer ran to the back of the house and made his way up the porch, and she heard him entering through the window, so she turned around and she ran through the dining room, mm -hmm. and then through the bedroom, down a hallway, through another bedroom, and then into the living room and out the front door, leaving a blood, leaving like a fucking river of blood and teeth throughout the house and across the street. This literally sounds like a horror movie. Blood and teeth. It's like that fucking scene from uh, a Halloween, dude. No, like, dude, that's a night. That's literally a nightmare for me. Oh god, it's fucking terrifying. <sighs> so barefoot and still in her blood-soaked nightgown, she ran across the street to her sister and brother-in-law's house, mm -hmm. but no one was home. She ran another fifty yards to another neighbor and said that her husband was dead, and then she just collapsed like right then and there. Like she oh got god. to her area and she couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. The neighbor took Katie to the hospital, and she was in, like, a semi-conscious state somehow, and she was, like, slumping forward in the front seat, like, slumping forward and backward. like just, from blood loss? Yeah, that's just a terrifying thing to think about. Yeah. And she apparently lost, like, a shit ton of blood, but they yeah. were, like, somehow she was still, like, stable, like, somehow. Yeah. Like, she was fucking just up. I can't even imagine the pain and, like, the... It's probably just fucking The fear, shock. dude, like, the fear and the shock, like, I, I can't even imagine that. So, Miller County Sheriff W.E. Davis, who um, became the head of investigation, questioned Mrs. Starks in the operating room, which I don't, that seems that's a little That's a much. little rude. That's a little much. Uh, she doesn't have teeth, and there's a bullet in her and tongue. And it's fucking rude. She uh, just went through something traumatic. Yeah, maybe chill for a minute. Yeah. So, the news was printed on the front page the next morning. Saturday, May 4th, reading, Murder! Rock City again! Farmer slain! Wife wounded! Lane. That's just kind of how tabloids are. Yeah. <laughs> so Kitty and Virgil had been married for 14 years, oh, and man. the Miller County Sheriff's Department was notified just minutes after the alarm reached Hope City Police. Mm -hmm. Immediately after reports of the slaying spread, blockades were set up several miles northeast and southwest, uh, southwest, southwest. Uh, on Highway 67 East. Um, <laughs> Arkansas State Police Officers Cheryl, or Charlie Boyd and Cheryl? Matt. Max Tackett got the call on their radio and were the first officers at the scene. Uh, uh, run that back? What was his name? Tackett. Max? Max Tackett. Oh, I thought Max Tackett was like one name. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Tax Bracket. <laughs> Tax Bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Tax Bracket. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> so some of the reports were contradictory, and one of the officers said that they found Starks still slumped in the blood-soaked chair, and that the chair had caught fire from the electric heating pad oh that I mentioned God. earlier. 
He said smoke was filling the room and coming up all around the man and between his legs. Oh my god. This already dead man. This is this is so That's terrible. chaotic. That's fucking insane. Um, but another sheriff said that when he arrived, the chair was on fire, but the body was fine because it had fallen out of the chair. So I don't know why those stories were so mixed up. I don't know if one guy was just trying. I feel like it could have gone one way, like or two ways. One guy was trying like not to exacerbate the situation mm-hmm. and not to terrify people. Maybe he didn't want it to get out. And maybe the other guy was just like, oh, yeah, shit, this just happened. Fuck. Yeah, and no. maybe, maybe the other guy was trying to cover it up. Or maybe one guy was just like, exaggerating he was like oh my god like the chair was on fire the guy was on fire this was happening blah 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 that's that's what i was gonna say one of them wanted to make tabloids and one of them actually wanted to just like solve what was fucking happening yeah or that's what it seems like it was it was either that or like what i said right now like someone like someone was just like exaggerating the situation the other guy was like yeah no that's not what happened like please calm down so i don't know like that could have gone either way but either way i think that's crazy whether the body's below it and the chair is like fucking on fire that's still a, or he's I, on fire. That's fucking crazy. That's, that is a sight. That's insane. So that in the house, yeah, I don't want to see that either. That doesn't sound fun. So in the house, investigators found a trail of blood with scattered teeth. Can you imagine fucking seeing that dude? Like walking into a fucking into a crime scene and just seeing like not just only teeth. just a trail of blood all over house, but teeth inside of that. Teeth. I don't know why teeth kind of like <coughs> freak me out a little bit, that's especially terrifying. when they're like not in the mouth. So I would. I, I could never be a cop. Hey man, I I'm, could never I'm be sorry a cop for either. shitting on you that one day when you were excited about the teeth in Halloween. <laughs> I don't even remember that. So <laughs> oh, apology no. not accepted because I don't remember that. Oh really? Oh, you were pissed. What? Um, it was like the teeth reveal when Michael Myers put his hand over the um over the bathroom stall and he dropped the teeth and like I was going to reveal it and I was excited to reveal it and you were like it's teeth and I started making fun of you. I was like it's teeth. I, oh, okay, it's I remember teeth. now. I remember now. And you just gave me, like, I wish we were doing a video because you gave me this death stare. You just looked at me like, you wanted to fucking kill me. <laughs> I probably I probably did. <laughs> you were so pissed. Probably wanted to hit you. I remember I, this now. I, I completely a, forgot about I that. I was like, you asshole. I was like, you're always ruining my reveals. And you were like, I was excited. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you were being a dick. Yeah, I you was. know what? Apology not accepted. Fuck I was. You. you texted me the next day. You were like, yeah, you sounded like it asshole and i was like yeah i probably did you ruined my reveal <laughs> oh man you know what i take back my apology i don't i don't mean it <laughs> your apology was never accepted good. it will never will be that's good because i didn't mean it <laughs> <laughs> fuck okay so on the dining room table now, now this is gonna get really dark again I'm glad we're light lightening the mood for a second because it's going to get really second. bad. On the dining room table where Mrs. Stark's supplies for making a dress, which just shows you how fucking terrifying a home invasion is. Like, it just puts that into the perspective. Like, you could be doing anything. I don't. I think home invasions are probably like that's the my most ter- that's my biggest fear. It's my like, biggest fucking fear. one of my worst fears because like. They just happen so unexpectedly. Like, you can't, like, oh, my home is going to get invaded this day. I better not be here. No. They don't care if you're home. They don't care. Like, they don't care, dude. They're just going to come in, and they're going to fuck your shit up. And it's absolutely terrifying. And I've had nightmares. I've had tons of nightmares. I've, like, it's... I've had, like, legit, like, real-life paranoia over shit like this, dude. Dude, I've had tons of home invasion nightmares. It's, like, the scariest thing ever. Like, you wake up, and you just look around, and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't I don't want to be in this area right now because this doesn't seem fun. 
It's so fucked up. So yeah, there's literally dresses on her fucking table. Like she's just doing shit. And the officer said that, well, they declared that after the killer shot Virgil, he waited patiently outside the window to shoot Katie. Like that's why he shot her so fast when she went to the phone. He was just in there watching her, waiting to shoot her. This dude was a lunatic. Dude, this guy's Whoever fucking. He was. He's terrifying, honestly. That, like, yeah, oh my god, no, like this is the movie. Like, okay, because I saw the movie before I ever heard about the case. So, like, Me too, I yeah. thought, I I thought it was so like light and fluffy. Because I don't know, I just see a horror movie and I'm just like, I don't think anything of it. I disassociate myself from. Oh, well, I disassociate myself from most things, as you know. Most things, yeah. but. I just thought this was like a light and fluffy kind of thing. And then when I look into it, I'm like, this is the most fucking terrifying yeah. thing like I've ever heard of. Like, uh, oh my, it's it's insane. Like, even like, even to think like you and your girlfriend and boyfriend like want to go somewhere in private and like, you know, you guys are like in love and you're cuddling and you're, and you're not kissing, safe. And the entire time somebody's watching you and they plan to kill you. And that's what they portray in the movie too. Like every time it's like these couples are sitting yeah, in the car yeah, I and that. then they look off to the side and this masked guy's just in the fucking trees. Like, oh my God. If I ever saw that. I would be out of there so fast. Dude. Not even one of the, I would like, this is why I keep a bat in my car. Like, I don't know. I probably, he'd kill me. But like, I'm gonna go out with a bat. Yeah. Instead of a bang, I'm gonna go out with a bat. Go out with a bat, dude. It reminds me I of the should story. start keeping weapons in my car. I was listening to uh, one of Morbid's listener tales the other day. I think it was nine. That episode's so funny because Elena keeps calling Ash ass the whole time. <laughs> I, I called a- oh, Ash ass the other day and she was like, all right, kill. And I was like, all right, ass. Um, <laughs> she was talking about how, like one of her friend's true stories. Mm-hmm. Like there was a terrace in the backyard. Oh my God. And the whole time, like there was like SWAT teams everywhere and like hundreds of cops and stuff. And she said her friend's husband was just like, I want my bat. <laughs> it was like there was like there's so many people protecting you around you but you're like I need that bat and that would totally be me in the situation be like yeah I need to go get this one bat for my isn't it like a mini bat that you have in there too it, it's a small bat yeah. but you know what dude I look at a mini bat as more opportunity I can swing that harder yeah than I can a bigger bat dude you could you could probably really fuck somebody up with that bat yeah I almost have a couple times <laughs> pulled it out a couple times usually people leave when you pull out a bat I, I really need to get a weapon because there's been a lot of times where I have not club? felt safe. Got a golf club too. I'll take that. Okay. You get a crowbar? I'll take one of those too. I don't got a crowbar, but I got a golf club. Same thing. Yeah. You can golf with a crowbar. Hey, right? man, you I've pulled the golf club out on someone before and they- <laughs> My God. They left. Fair enough. Well, this, would... guy, this guy almost hit my car. Like he was driving on the wrong side of the road. He almost hit me. And then I swerved off to the side and I got out and I was like, dude, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And he looked at me. He was like, Nah, that was you. And I was like, you're <laughs> on the wrong side of the road. What? And then he was like, he started fucking like literally dumb gangbanging on me. And he was like, what's up? And I turned around and I grabbed my golf club <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is up? And he was, he just. <laughs> what the fuck is up, Kyle? <laughs> he, he left. <laughs> so they work when they work. <laughs> Maybe not always. Maybe, Sp- yeah, if there's a gun, you can't bring a golf club to a gunfight. It's possible I could have got shot right then, but he wasn't you He wasn't a real gangbanger, obviously. He so, wasn't. Sometimes you got to test him. You're like, hey, you got a gun? Because if you don't, <laughs> this is happening. You're going to get clubbed, bro. <laughs> get clubbed. Okay, so let's get back to the story. So three clues were found at the scene. The first was a caliber of bullets. The second was a flashlight found in the hedge underneath the window that Starks was shot from. Mm-hmm. And the last clue was bloody prints around the house. Shoe prints on the kitchen floor and smudged fingerprints in other places. So there was some evidence on this one. Um, apparently the, the bullet was a twenty two caliber, so it was... It was different. 
It was a different size, so they were like, maybe this isn't him, but they were like, I don't know. It still it still fits. Yeah, it, it, it's different because it's not like in cars. So I think mm-hmm. this murder was the hardest to like kind of get, you know, into the story. Like for it to fit the mo, if you will. I think it still fits. It's it's really weird though because the only people that saw him with the mask were from the first attack, and you know, one person said he didn't have the mask. So the whole mask thing, even in general, was kind of up in the air. Like, because huh. uh, the first girl, she's the only one who saw, you know, the one that survived. She's the only person that saw the mask and uh jimmy her boyfriend he said he didn't see one yeah Yeah. he didn't see it so it was like i don't know and then um katie right now you know she was going through some shit so she didn't really catch what was going on she was like i don't fucking know dude i i mean like fear can do a lot to your brain oh yeah like in like in a situation like that so i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that people like thinking yeah, it's possible when they did it's it. It's possible you know? that he never had a mask, but I think that's a really interesting part of the story because this whole legend, this whole time, and all the movies and everything—they're based There's off of this guy in the mask. You know, it's yeah. like, and that's what everyone sees him as. What are those, what are and those he looks called? like a fam- a phantom. A bag, a bag. What is it called? It's a just sack? like it's just like a potato sack. Potato sack. There but is. I don't think that's what his is. It looks more like a sheet that's kind of like wrapped around. In the movies, I in thought it Jason's, was a potato sack. Jason's is totally a fucking potato sack. Yeah, in the movies, it looked like a potato sack. No, it's like a sheet that's like wrapped around his head. And you know what? Even in the fucking um, Jason looks more like the Phantom Killer in the reboot, the Friday the Thirteenth reboot mm-hmm. from like I, I don't what two thousand eight I think or something. Um, I might be wrong on that, but um, that reboot also has Jason in his sack head, but it's wrapped around just like the sun the dreaded or the town the dreaded sundown oh there's a connection here yeah so not 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 a connection but there's inspiration no yeah took, totally guess, yeah. like that that solidified my theory yeah i was just like yeah that's fucking based off of it so well i guess it's not the same uh my theory is falling apart um <laughs> so that flashlight that i mentioned a minute ago it was sent to washington dc for further inspection by the fbi mm-hmm. the authorities had ruled out robbery as a motive because no money nor was katie's purse taken from the home and that's also why they were kind of linking it back to the phantom killer because he never went for money before either he was yeah, just yeah like, it was just he yelled he yelled at the first person for that but i don't i think that was him just wanting to yell what what i think is kind of weird is that like um like never anything was stolen, but you said that uh, that one couple, um, their pockets were turned inside out. I th- I was I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about that too. So maybe he just wanted to like. Uh, I think he trick, wanted to make it seem to trick them. Yeah, yeah maybe because th- he never cared about money before. Like he yeah. yelled at like the other person, but like he told the guy to take his pants off. He didn't tell him to like you know like hand his- over your money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what he was. I don't think he was ever after that. I think huh. it was just him trying to switch up. His mo, mm-hmm. but this was also before mos were a thing. Yeah, that's this true. was before we had this serial befo- yeah serial killer say. profiles or anything. Yeah. So like this was when people were in the fucking dark because serial killers like that term what didn't even come around till what the seventies late seventies yeah almost eighties yeah yeah it's fucking like it's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> different times man so the that was a weird cough so the reward was now up to around seven thousand dollars and uh, on May 9th, Sheriff Davis was notified that the flashlight found at Stark's murder scene contained no fingerprints. On Wednesday, May 29th, a colored picture on the front page of Texarkana Gazette showed the flashlight. And this was actually the Texarkana Gazette's first colored photograph ever. Wow. For a good cause, too. The description under the picture read, Have you seen this two-cell flashlight? This is a picture in detail of the flashlight found at the scene of the Sark's murder. This is a two-cell all-metal flashlight, both ends of which are painted red. 
Three rivets hold the head of the flashlight to the body of the light. There has been only a limited number of these lights sold in this area. If you have owned or know of anyone who owned one of these lights, report at once to Sheriff W.E. Davis Miller County Courthouse, Tex, Arkansas, Ark. You may be the one to aid in solving the phantom slayings. I love the accent you chose. Thank you. I, I can't was, pin what it is, but I, I love don't it. know what it is. I was going for something different, and no, I messed it up, it so was, I went with what I went with what I had. You know what? And it was a, uh, it was solid the whole way through. Like it didn't it didn't peak or anything like that. Okay, know? cool. Yeah, I, oh, I peaked. It sounded great. Oh, I peaked. Oh, I didn't hear it. I I hit my prime. Oh, okay, that's what you meant. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely did that. I agree. So on May 11th, on, on in the May 11th edition of the Texas Arkansas Gazette, Sheriff Presley and Chief of Police Jack N. Runnels asked for any information on missing persons on the night of the murders. He asked townspeople to recall the nights of February 22nd, 23rd, March 23rd, 24th, April 13th, 14th, and May 3rd. We want every man and woman in these two countries to recall the dates of the murders and also to recall whether or not any person close to them was missing or out of the pocket during those nights. Persons who have such information have been withholding it when they know they should report it are leaving themselves open to possible charges of complicity in the event the Slayer is captured. Make no mistake about the fact that the Slayer will be captured because we will not give up this hunt until he has been captured or killed. All information received will be treated confidentially. We urge you to come in and tell what you know. Don't be hesitant or fear that you are causing an innocent man embarrassment and trouble in as much all investigation will be confidential. <laughs> this is no time to take any chance on information which might lead us to the Slayer. This maniac must be captured. We believed we are justified in going to any ends to halt this chain of murder. Bear in mind, this killer may strike at anyone. Ah! He may strike at persons closer to him. For that reason, we believe any person with information that may lead us to the murderer shall act in, in the interest of self-preservation. Self-preservation. Go off, Caleb. So rumors were still being spread. <laughs> Some people believe that the Slayer had been caught. Some believe that he was held at the county jail. Others believe that he was flown to an out-of-town jail. And the Gazette and the news offices were drowned with phone calls, both local and long-distance, inquiring about the apprehension of the killer. Oh, boy. Texarkana residents started to recall or started to call the police for any and every little thing that happened around them. Like, they were literally like, hey, um... There's something outside of my house. I'm not having a good time. Can you please come kill it? Dude, straight up, not having a good time. Uh, come and kill this thing. These were all the result of excitement, wild imagination, and even near hysteria. Like, I was going to say, like I said earlier, like fear can make the mind do weird shit. This is so, social hysteria. Yeah. 100%. Gonna, yeah. It's almost a satanic panic, but not satanic. <laughs> so the police panic. the police had to let out another statement these rumors positively are not true we understand why the people leave them and all of us are tense and hopeful that any hour officers will announce that they have the killer in custody the people must not become so anxious to rid themselves of the killer however that they brand innocent persons as the murderer and believe unfounded stories the investigating officers have announced that when and if the killer is apprehended or killed the public will be given the full story through newspapers 
We reaffirm the statement. The newspapers are kept positive, posted on developments in the investigation, and they will announce all news immediately. We believe that the people have a right to know if the killer is caught or killed, and we pledge ourselves to let the public have this information. The public... So earlier, I said that people started to slowly panic more and more after the first, second, and third killings of the murderer. Stores sold out of locks, guns, ammunition, window shades, night latches, and other means of protection. Oh, man. After the murders, many people, they just kind of gave up on going out. They were like, I'm, I, I'm, not, I would. Doing, I'm not doing this anymore. I fucking would. I would just be like, uh, no, I'm staying in my house, and uh, even that's not safe. You're right. And because of the drop in business, liquor stores began closing at 9.30 p.m. You can Whack. imagine how that is a panic <laughs> to people like us. That's absolute hysteria. That Are you kidding me? That is a whole issue. And a statement was posted in the paper saying, We fully understand the state of mind in which Texarkana is now gripped. We are no longer selling no liquor to persons who have already been drinking. We do not wish to add further to the troubles of the police. Any person who drinks whiskey at this time to get drunk and wander around the streets of Texarkana is further complicating the works of the police and is placing himself in grave danger of being shot by people whose nerves are on edge from the recent murders. So if you're drunk in Texarkana at this time, you're going to get killed, dude. You're going to get shot. You're not going to have a good time. Be drunk in your house. It is also said that a fearful store owner shot a customer who wanted some beer in the foot. The guy was like, hey, I want some beer. Give me some white claws. And the guy was like, bop. You shot. <laughs> that's that's bad, dude. That's like absolute hysteria at this point. You fucked. Yeah, dude. Don't try and get drunk after 9 p.m. Don't do it. 930. 930. 930. I'm sorry. So because citizens were basically going insane at this point. <laughs> I, w- I could imagine, yeah. When an officer would pull someone over, they would have to turn on their sirens, stand in their headlights, and announce themselves to people. They were like, hey, I'm a police officer. Don't kill me. This, it's insane to me that this happened in 1946, right? It seems not that long ago, but at the same time, it, no, okay, it's so very long. Would you say 40? When you're speaking about a year and you say 40, like, I can, that's a long fucking time ago. Like, I wasn't alive. I mean- Obviously. I wasn't, wasn't close to being alive. I was like uh I was less than halfway. Dude, my mom was like twenty years old at this time. Oh no, she wasn't. She wasn't even born yet. My mother wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Quick maths with Brie, you guys. Once Cheryl again. was not here. <laughs> she was not. My grandma was like in her teenage years. <laughs> so one Captain Guns Lewis helped fuel some of the madness when he announced on the radio that Tex Arcanians should oil up their guns and see if they are loaded. Put them out of the reach of children. Do not use them unless it's necessary. But if you believe it is, don't hesitate. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That's kind of... um. Double side, he's like, hey, don't use your guns. But if you think you need to use your gun, use your gun. So protect me to, in order to protect me and mine, if anybody uh, comes into my house, it's dead. It's out. It's done? It's done. You can try, but whatever. If anybody comes into my house, you're getting shot, dude. Like, the police gave me the go-ahead. Like, don't fuck with me. Don't knock on my fucking door because... I'm going to protect me and my family, like, whether it comes down to it or not. Like, 
And then it, again, it is double-sided because somebody could be hurt from the actual murderer and come to the house looking for help, and then you just kill the guy. So it's crazy, and it's really double-sided. But there's also that part of don't trust anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like I, You uh, never know what's going to happen. You never know. That's what's so crazy about it. So when he was asked what v- advice he could give to the to the public to quiet their fear. Mm-hmm. He responded, I'd tell them to check the locks and bolts on their doors and get a double-barreled shotgun to take care of any intruder who tried to get in. Understandable. You are not doing good at calming the panic. Oh, but yeah. I respect that- <laughs> I respect the plight. In that form, yeah, you are not calming anybody down, but uh he's not wrong. He's right. He is right. He's right. I'm sorry, but he's right, dude. Like, <laughs> So even though most of the town was in fear, some kids decided to park on pretty much stranded out uh, roads. Lover's lanes. Okay. Yeah, deserted town, deserted roads and whatnot. They were like, hey, you know, we're going to catch the killer myself. I'm going to uh, do this. Egos. Egos were boosted. So one night, Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson was patrolling a vacant road with Arkansas State Trooper Charlie Boyd when they Boyd. came up to a parked car. And they were like, hey, this car's parked. And Johnson <laughs> got out while Boyd stayed behind. And Johnson walked up to the car and he noticed a couple. And he was like, hey, I am Tillman Johnson with the Miller County Sheriff's Department. Aren't you scared to be parked here late at night? Mm-hmm. And the girl was like, ah, you ought to be scared, mister. It's good thing that you told me who you are. And she revealed a pistol that she was pointing at him the entire time. That's a boss bitch right there. She was like, yeah, don't fuck with me. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you. She's fucking packing, dude. I'm going to shoot you nice. up. So Johnson got out while Boyd stayed behind. And uh, he was like, hey, don't shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> just do, You know what, dude? Just... uh. Just don't do that. (laughs) Tone it down. So some volunteers and office volunteers alike started to lay in wait or possibly in disguise. Some of them were Mm -hmm. in disguise and full. When you you see that in the town of Dread Sundown where this guy has a a, a big mustache and uh, he has this other guy's big titties. This dude has big titties? Huge tits. Nice. Out to fucking here. One of them's lopsided. And the other guy's like, hey, you got some lopsided titties. I do not remember uh, titties on a man. He's like, hey, man, don't touch my tits. And the guy's like, hey. You know what? You touch my tits, you're getting shot, dude. Grabs the whole boob. I'll shoot Grabs somebody. the lopsided boob. And the guy's like, ah! <laughs> shit. I'll shoot somebody for touching my tits. I don't give a fuck. Don't do that. I'm but shoot the, him up. Unfortunately, the Phantom never took this bait. He oh, was okay. like, ah, those are... Oops. Uh, so whack. throughout the investigation of the Phantom Killer case, almost 400 suspects were arrested. Arrested. <laughs> and in the Hollis and Larry case, no suspects were apprehended. In the Griffin and Moore case, over 200 persons were questioned and about the wow. same number of false tips and leads were checked. Three suspects were taken into custody for bloody clothing and two of whom were released after officers received satisfying explanations. They were like, hey, but... Uh, that checks out. It adds up. So the remaining suspect who was fe- who was held in Vernon, Texas, for further investigation, he was later cleared of suspicion. Hmm. In the Martin and Booker case, a taxi driver quickly became a major suspect because his cab was seen in the vicinity of the crime that morning. But the driver was soon ruled out. Officers received a lead from Jerry Atkins, who was Booker's band leader, and he stated that Betty had carried a saxophone Betty. with her. 
because no saxophone was found, officers officers hoped they would lead them to a suspect. Guys, I'm suspect. drunk. My notes are not drunk, but I'm drunk. Uh, yeah, we're very drunk. On Saturday, April 27th, a man was arrested in Corpus Christi, Texas. That's where one of our friends lives. I'm not going to say her name. I think that's where Selena's from, too. Let's not say that. But also, that's no, no, not no, no, where no, she's no. from. She is no, in California. No, the singer, Selena. Oh. Dumbass. Different Just Selena. gave yourself away. <laughs> Different Selena. <laughs> Selena, oh, if you will. Texas. Selena with an S. For trying to sell a saxophone to a music store. So the previous Thursday, the 30-year-old 30, the 30 <laughs> man walked into a music store without an instrument, and he asked a salesperson if the store wanted to buy a Bundy alto saxophone. And the girl was like, hey, uh, I'm going to need to speak to a manager because uh, the saxophone is a hot item right now, yeah. and people have been killing people, <laughs> and hot. saxophones have been left behind. So the man's like, what do you have to talk about it for? You work here, don't you? Pepper, come over here. And the girl claimed that the man seemed nervous, and when she went to go and get a manager, he was just gone. He was like, yeah, I'm leaving. Nope. So the man was arrested two days later at a waterfront hotel after purchasing a 45 caliber revolver from a pawn shop. And on April 30th, the sales girl identified him as the same man who had tried selling a saxophone. And although no saxophone was found in his possession, the, po- the police found a bag of bloody clothing, clothing clothing in his hotel room. The man claimed that the blood was from a cut that he had received on his forehead in a bar fight. He was like, hey, dude, this guy punched me. Forehead split. It's gun. It's gone. It's gun. (laughs) It's gun. And uh, unfortunately for investigators, but fortunately for the man, his story actually checked out. And every other question that he was asked, they were like, Hmm. yeah, you're good, dude. Like, it all has a story to it. It all all goes into place. I feel like these cops were so dumb back in the day. Like, I feel like this guy could have been caught (coughs) a lot sooner. I'm really wondering whether it was like the Tounder and Sundown, the movie. So a small break in the case came around when Max Tackett, a 33-year-old Arkansas state police officer who we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, he was a rookie tax at the bracket, time, yes. <laughs> tax bracket, and he realized that a car had been stolen on the night of one of the murders and that a previously stolen car had been found abandoned around that same time. So on Friday, June 28th, 1946, the officer found a car in a parking lot that was reported stolen. He waited and then arrested a 21-year-old woman named Peggy Swinney, and she said that she had just gotten married in Shreveport, but that her husband was currently in Atlanta, Texas, trying to sell another stolen car, so she's not a ride or die. Um, Okay. The Tackett then... The Tackett. The Tackett. Tackett then obtained some information from a sheriff in Atlanta and found out that some dude tried to sell a stolen car to one of his citizens. And he was like, hey, would you recognize this guy? And he's like, "Uh, no, dude, I'm sorry, I wouldn't. He's like, well, maybe he would recognize you and then we'll go in public and then he'll freak out and he'll run away. And then we got him. (laughs) Solid plan. Weird fucking plan, but for some reason it worked. And on Saturday in July, on a Saturday in July, Tackett walked into the Arkansas Motor Coach bus station on Front Street with the guy. And his insane plan worked. And Tackett saw a man run out of the back of the building when he came in with the other guy. And he was like, all right, I'm going to chase this guy. He chases him. And the man was UL Swinney. And he refused to speak, but his wife, Peggy, spoke for him. And she was like, yeah, this dude is the phantom killer. He killed Betty Joe Booker and Paul Martin. I know this. Oh, fuck. 
So unfortunately, there was some dumb fucking law in 1946, and Peggy could not be forced to testify against her husband. This was Stupid. this was a whole Arrested Development situation where like, ah, Fonzie was like, you can't testify against your wife. <laughs> you guys are clear of the crime. Ay, ay, ay. That's fucked up. It's dumb. So at this point, UL was not arrested for the murders because all of the evidence was circumstantial. Pepper, can you stop barking? Uh, and here we are. So let's get into the circumstantial evidence. Um, the car that Peggy Swinney was arrested for stealing was the one reported missing on the night of the Griffin slash Mort murders. When Tackett was caught, UL Swinney on the fire escapes, he said, please don't shoot me. And then he was like, hey, I'm not going to shoot you for stealing cars. And Swinney was like, mister, don't play games with me. You want me for more than stealing cars. Yikes. And when UL was in the police car, he asked Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson, Mr. Johnson, what do you think they'll do to me for this? Will they give me the chair? And Johnson responded with, you won't get much, maybe five or ten years. They don't give you electric chairs for stealing cars. And Mr. Swinney then said, Mr. Johnson, you got me for more than stealing cars. Gave it himself away. So when a lawyer told Peggy that her husband was being held for murder, she exclaimed, How did they find out? How did they know this? <laughs> no way I could know this. <laughs> and Peggy took officers near the spot where Paul Martin's car was found, and she said that she had walked into the woods, and the pol- the officer, the police officers, found a woman's heel prints in that area. Ooh. So it's starting to add up. Evidence. Peggy, Peggy's family and Ewell's brother-in-law believed that Ewell was the phantom, and police also found a khaki work shirt in the suspect's room with a laundry mark of the word S-T-A-R-K, which is right under a black light. So he had his name printed on his undies, and Stark was a victim of the phantom. Huh. So Ewell Swinney previously owned a thirty-two caliber Colt automatic, but he had sold it in a craps game. Convenient. How convenient. While being accused of Sweeney's murder. Not Sweet, Not Sweeney's murder. Sweeney's alive. Yeah. While being accused of murder, Sweeney reclaimed silence instead of pleading his innocence. Uh, he was doing a whole lot of talking beforehand, so. Yes, sir. I'm silent now. So Peggy Sweeney confessed to her husband confessed to her husband's actions, revealing very detailed information, including some information officers already knew and some that they did not. So I I think that anytime you're revealing information that officers didn't know about and they're like, hey, that matches, you might know something. Yeah. So Ewell's fingerprints did not match any of the prints at the Booker slash Martin crime scene. And Peggy Swinney recanted her confession. But as we all know, that could be a threat. From a threat or, you know, she could have gotten paid for it or something like that. Something of the sort. It happens a lot. So the Texas Rangers and Sheriff Bill Presley were not convinced that Swinney was the Phantom. Um, Swinney denied being the Phantom. He never made a confession. Officers, including Bowie County Sheriff Shreffram Presley, Mary Miller County Sheriff Davis, Texas City Chief of Police Reynolds. Reynolds. Reynolds? And both state police departments worked day and night for six months trying to validate Peggy Swinney's story of her and her husband's whereabouts. Hmm. They deducted that Peggy was not telling the truth and that on the night of the murder of Booker and Martin, the couple was sleeping in a car under the bridge near San Antonio. That's... TXS. A little 
no, yeah, I know it's Texas. My grandpa's from San Antonio, but um, what a good guy. He was from San Antonio. Rest he's in peace. dead. He's dead. Yeah, he's been dead Big for quite dead. Some time, like ten Poor years. Poor guy. But uh, <laughs> what a dead guy. But that's they were sleeping in a car under the bridge. Like, how was that solidified, or how was that proven? Bums. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. This just seems weird to me. So, unknown as either a sick prank or a true confession, an anonymous woman actually contacted the family members of two of the victims, one in 1999 and another in 2000, apologizing wow. for what their father had done. Yeah, a long time later. Holy shit. And um, UL Sweeney was not known to ever have a daughter, and this is a long time later, so we don't know if that's true or not, yeah. but it's out there. So, in this case, there were a few other suspects, but their stories didn't really hold as much weight as Sweeney's, because on November 5th, 1948, an 18-year-old freshman at the University of Arkansas, Henry Booker Duty Tennyson, was found dead in his bed at home. He had purchased cyanide, claiming that he was going to use it for rat poison, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, the fucking Nanny Dosser was like, yeah, I'm going to kill gonna rats, that. Yeah. you dumb bitch. So, he killed himself, he left a note, and he confessed the killings. He said, to whom it may concern, this is my last word to you fine people and you are fine. I want to thank you for all the trouble that you have gone to to send me to college and bring me up. You have really been wonderful. My thanks to Ella Lee for letting me stay with her during my college career and to Belva Joe for putting up with me the way she did. She had to, I know, but I fell in love with her about a week ago. If she was older, I would have asked her to marry me, but that would be impossible. Why did I take my own life? Well, you committed two double murders. You probably would too. Yes, I did kill Betty Jo Booker and Paul Martin in the city park that night and killed Miss Starks. And when Mr. Starks tried to get away, he was already dead. Mr. I'm, I keep saying Miss Starks instead of Mr. Yeah. Starks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I get you. you know what I'm saying. For you wouldn't have guessed it. I did it when the mother was either out of town or asleep and when no one saw me do it. For the guns, I dissembled them and discarded them in different places. And when I am found, uh, which has already been done, obviously, please give this typewriter to Craig and tell him that I hope that his child is a boy. It will help him his work. Everything can go wherever you think it will be, except for the best view master, which will go to Belva Joe. Please take my bankroll and give it to Daddy. I think it should go to him, and tell him I don't want the car now. Uh, yeah, what good would be the car if you were dead? My good sir. Ominous! Very ominous. You're dead. Well, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> See you sometime. If I make the grade, which will now be hard for me to make. H.B. Tennyson. Yikes. That's interesting. It's an interesting note, but also it seems like bullshit. So the officers found more notes, and though Sheriff Strider had no idea which order the many notes were written because they were all undated, Mm. Miller County Sheriff W.E. Davis and Bowie County Sheriff Bill Presley were surprised by the news. They said that the youth was never a suspect in the killings and that a detailed investigation would be made. Fingerprints were taken from Tennyson to see if a match could be made to the still unclassified prints found at the scene of Booker slash Martin murders. Mrs. Bessie Brown, Booker's mother, actually visited Tennyson's mother, to offer some sympathy, and she told her that she felt Tennyson had nothing to do with her daughter's death. Mm. So officers also found a confusing note, which they believed to contradict Tennyson's other notes, but they were unsure when it was written. The note read, 
Please disregard all of the messages which I have written. They are only thoughts which I was thinking about as possible reasons for taking my own life. As I think about it, it is none of these things. They are not the reasons for this incident. There is a much later point to it all. Happiness. Yes, happiness. If I am out of the way, all the family can get down to their own lives. Mother will not have to worry about me making my own grades. Daddy will not have to put out more money on me, which would do no more good than it did in high school. No one will have to worry about me. Having to push me through the things which would be best for me. Although, after much thought, I decided to take this way out. It took more thought than anyone can think possible, and it started about a week ago, when I began to think of a way to get out of this. Running away would not do any good. The police would find me wherever I went and would bring me back to it all. No, mother and daddy are not to blame. It's just me. If I had done what they told me to do, this would never have happened. Studying instead of playing ground. Going out with the people in my group instead of staying home and dreaming that's the end of the note hmm. interesting so james freeman a 16 year old friend of tennyson from texarkana came forward and talked to a deputy prosecutor after hearing that tennyson confessed to being the phantom he said that the nights of the murder in question he was actually with tennyson playing cards my my heart is leaning towards sweeney Mine as well. Huh. I do not think that um, uh, Tennyson was responsible for this at all. I don't think he was. Either of was these crazy. guys who killed themselves. Yeah. It was just one guy. It was just Tennyson. Oh, okay. It was I the same guy. Okay. No, nope, same guy. My bad. I'm following now. <laughs> so none of the guns that Tennyson could have had access to, actually, they, they didn't match any of the guns of the crimes. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he hadn't even known how to drive until 1947, which was a year after these killings. Yeah. So I don't think he could have done this. Boney County Sheriff uh, Presley stated that he was notified Tuesday, November 9th, that the fingerprints from Tennyson did not match those at the Booker-Martin crime scene. So he was ruled out. But another weird part about this is that the fingerprints of Sweeney's did not match the crime scene either. Yes, but at the same time, you have to think about that this was 1946. One, our technology was not that great. Two, that and he could have covered it up, and there could have been other fingerprints he, in the area. There could have been fingerprints just from people living everyday lives. Yeah, yeah, no, he could have done that. Like it, that's very easy to do, for one. And then two, like you said, our technology was not that great at the no, time. No, it was not. It was ter- It wasn't even good until until like the 80s, like yeah. 90s ish. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was. Everything not- was on paper, like everything, dude. It's. It was not good then. It's rough, yeah. So on another night, a man driving um, saw a hitchhiker, and this guy told him that he needed a ride because his mother was gravely ill, and he was like, hey, guy, I got $5 for you. Guy's like, all right, dude, it's $5. Hop in. So when they knew the destination, the man pulled out a gun, and he was like, keep driving, or I will kill you like the five people that I killed in Texarkana. Oh, my God. He also apparently mentioned Paul Martin and Betty Joe by name. Huh. So he said that he wasn't done with the killing. I actually, on that note, I think that's weird because... By full name. By full name, like, yes, he'd probably know about the names later if he looked into investigations. But right off the bat, he didn't know who these people were. He was just killing people Mm -hmm. for the fuck of it. So I think that's kind of weird. I don't think that falls into the right category. I don't know. That's weird. So he said that he wasn't done with killing and that he was going to go back and kill Martin's dad. And apparently he wasn't aware that Martin's dad was already dead at the time he passed away from natural causes so i think this guy might have been completely bullshit i think he was just trying to get a good story maybe 
So he eventually left. Get this. He stole his $5 back, and then he stole $3 from the guy. <laughs> what? I don't know. I think $3 probably maybe like 20 bucks then. But uh, I, uh, I'm not going to rob somebody for $20. It seems unnecessary. Very unnecessary. But I mean, so this attacker desperate was- Desperate times call for desperate. Desperate, desperate pleasures. I cannot speak. Desperate measures. So the attacker was said to be around 5'8 with red hair, but he was never found. And on Thursday, May 23rd, 1946, a 21-year-old ex-Army Air Force B-24 machine gunner by the name of Ralph B. Bauman told police that he thinks he might have been the Phantom. That he didn't remember anything? Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly what's going on. He said, I've been in a coma running from something. Maybe murder. I want to clear it up. If I didn't kill five people in Texarkana, I want to settle down and be a stuntman in Hollywood. I'm happiest when I'm living in danger. What? Weird statement. He was a veteran, you said? Say your stuff. He was in the Army, right? That's what you said? Yes. Air Force. Yeah, the Air Force. Air Force, yeah. yeah. He was in, he served the nation. He served the force. He did. Weird guy. So the police looked into this, but they were like, yeah, there's not really much evidence to back this up. And they're like, yeah, I think this guy's just crazy. Yeah. So let's I, move on. I can imagine. The police also arrested a black man in his 30s whose tire tracks were found on the other side of the road from Martin's corpse, which also seems like a big speculation to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you people drive places. Everybody drives. So okay. he failed a polygraph test, and they were like, oh, shit. We got to hypnotize this guy. It's weird because, like, now that, like, I know a lot about true crime, not a lot, not everything, but, like, polygraphs don't mean Ain't shit, shit, dude. They don't mean shit. Like, I, like anybody can be nervous. Their blood pressure can rise. Their fucking heart rate can rise. And it, it's, it's nothing. It's fucking nothing. Polygraphs mean shit. It is the dumbest thing ever. It is the fucking dumbest thing ever. A psychopath Just, can fake a polygraph so fucking easily. That's like, what I was going to say, because too. If they're you, so easy to fake. If Hannibal Lecter has taught us anything, yeah. you can chew out a woman's tongue and still remain with an 85 heart rate. Yeah. Dude, it's fucking crazy that, like, I, I just, I feel like, and I don't know if they use them nowadays, but if they do, they need to be completely abolished. They're not, they're not, subst- completely. They're, they're used to an extent now, but they are not substantial when it mm. comes to court cases at all. They're not important. I could imagine so. So, anyway, they decided to hypnotize him, and uh, they started this out. They, like, they put a fucking burning what? cigarette into his arm. Hypnotize? Yeah, I said that a minute ago. They tried to hypnotize somebody. 1946. In order to get a confession? 1946. That's all I gotta say. This is fucked. This is thunderfucked, bud. It's fucked, Julian. Well, it gets more fucked because they put a burning cigarette to his arm and they were like, well, no reaction. This polygraph is working fine. Or this hypnotization is working fine. So they was like, yeah, I was convinced. This is how it goes. So basically the way this went was that hypnotizing is fucking stupid and is not credible in a criminal <laughs> investigation. He was investigated. He was investigated, but obviously he was clear. They were like, yeah, this is dumb. They're just like I can just imagine them standing around in lab coats, like, just- oh, you know what? We're gonna hypnotize this guy, and uh, you know what? We're gonna get our fucking answers, dude. You know, you know what? what? I don't think we got anything it's, out of this. You know what? It's uh, you know what? Uh, close the investigation. I'm done here. We're good now. We're good now. Yeah, we got the guy. So basically, well, we they, didn't, but we got the guy. They investigated him, but he was cleared, and it. They found out that he was just some asshole cheating on his wife. 
That's why he was like nervous and like Hella failing guilty. some of it. Yeah. yeah, he was guilty, but for other reasons. That shows you right there. Polygraphs are fucking stupid. They're fucking dumb. They're dude. dumb, dude. Like you could literally just be like, oh, I'm cheating on my wife. I don't want to admit other stuff. You could be nervous, and they're like, oh, well, murder. <sighs> stupid. I can't believe this. So the police also received numerous false confessions. One, including from a guy from uh, this guy was like, <laughs> this is the dumbest story ever. Okay. This guy confessed to everything. He was like, yeah, I killed everyone. <laughs> I killed all of them. I did all of it. And then one cop came in the room and he was like, I know this guy. He didn't kill anyone. And then he walked with the guy who was like, hey, so why did you say you killed a bunch of people? And he was like, well, this reporter came up to me and he was like, hey, you want a fifth of whiskey? Tell them you killed everyone. He's like, all right. That is alcoholism to the next level. Yeah. Th- giving your entire life away for a fifth of whiskey. Are you shitting me? And a fifth of whiskey was probably like 10 cents back then. It was not standard whiskey price. Yeah, it was not. I can tell you that. So pretty much this is the end of my story. This <laughs> is all the confessions. This is all the possible suspects. My theory, it's Swinney. I was there's just going to say that. It is fucking Sweeney, dude. There's there's a picture of him, too, arrested with all the cops. And it just, the way that he looks in that picture, I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to put it on the video. Mm-hmm. But the way that he looks in that picture, like, he, all the cops are standing there, cool as day. And obviously he's nervous, maybe it's because he was being accused of a murder. But the way yeah. that he looks and the way he's standing and his hands are placed, I know that means nothing. But, dude, he looks fucking weird. And everything else that goes in that story, I'm like, yeah, you, you are responsible. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Everything about him leads to it, but he's like long dead now, I'm pretty sure. Like long fucking dead. And I just. Big dead. And going back to like the fingerprints thing, like that is so easy to mislead investigators and detectives and shit like that. Like it's very easy. Like you could have grabbed anything, anything, anything with a fucking fingerprint on it and used it for that. Like, I'm not, like, crediting him for how much thought that he put into this, but, like, I'm just saying, like, it's very easy to fucking fake, and if his wife said something and then she went back on it, that's suspicious to me, either way. And Caleb's eating the mic. Can you fit it in there? Oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Dude. Impressive. Ayo. So, yeah, I think we both are at agreement. I think that it's Sweeney... It's fucking Sweeney. Sweeney's a, he's a fucking culprit. He's the guy. He's he, the one. He's the asshole. You heard it here from Horror Soup. Um, Pepper is licking my foot, and I think that's a good time to end this episode. He's agreeing. Pepper's agreeing. We had a lot of technical difficulties in this episode. That we did. We probably shouldn't have killed the 12-pack of claws. Yeah, we recorded this for, like, 20 minutes and didn't realize we weren't yeah. recording. It happens. It's happened far too many times. It happens like more <laughs> often than I'd like to admit. I was just oh, going to bad. say that. It's bad. Very often. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was this was True Crime Thursday. Is Pepper still licking my foot? He has not stopped since I uh, first announced. You just stopped. He's going to start licking mine now, and I'm going to be uncomfortable. You want to lick my foot? There you go. He's a good boy. I can't believe you let that happen. He's a good that boy. It feels so weird to me. I don't I don't like the way it feels. I, I, I choose to dissociate. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I could not. He's a good boy. It makes him happy. Uh, 
True Crime Thursdays, guys. This was the Phantom Killer. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, this was a pretty fun episode. It, it Not fun, but fun. also fun. I, I liked it. It was fun to record. It's fun stuff. Yeah. So, guys, if you want to find us on any social medias, you can find us at Instagram at Horseu Podcast, Facebook at Horseu Podcast, and YouTube at Horseu Podcast. You can also tell a friend about us, which helps us substantially. 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 It helps us a lot, and I like it, and I want you to keep doing it. Do it, huh? So do it. Do it, And if you want free stickers, go to Instagram. iTunes. Go to iTunes and review us. Rate us five stars. Leave a review and uh, send us your message and you will get some free stickers. At horrorsuperyahoo.com, email us, say review or stickers and send us your address and a screenshot of the review and we will send you some stickers. Without the address, we cannot send you stickers. So uh, be sure to leave your address. We cannot. And if you want to pay for stickers and you don't want to do that and you want to support us because it does help a shit ton. It might even help with our rent soon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Donate to patreon.com slash horrorsoup. It will help us do a lot of things like honestly like Eventually, if we get enough Patreons, we'll be able to do this true crime shit full fucking time and full, work on it send. all the time. So we'll send you guys. That would be awesome. Help us out. It helps a ton. But if you can't do that, tell a friend. Maybe a friend will donate to Patreon. Maybe it's they're free. not. Maybe they're not as shitty as you, and they want to donate to us and they want to give us money. But you're a broke bitch. You know what you can do for free? You broke bitch. You can tell a friend. For you free. Could, you could tell a friend for free, though, and we would appreciate that. It takes five seconds out of your day. It doesn't take that long to be like, hey, horse, go on Club Penguin. Be like, hey, Horror Soup's a podcast. Be like, hey, you want to have sex in my igloo? I'll tell you that for free. And then I'll go to a to a fashion show, and I'm like, hey, your igloo sucks. And then I go to the town, and that girl's back there, and she's like, hey, restaurant in my igloo. I'm like, hey, I was at the fashion show. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> It's a shitty fashion it's show. It's just a bunch of penguins. It's more than that. It's more than that. But that's our podcast. <laughs> I'm at Horror Soup, uh, Horror Soup Kale by Letterbox. I'm not on Letterbox. Yeah, don't follow much. Bree's Letterbox. Just don't do it. Stuff you- is there, but I don't update it. Or no. Thank you for listening. This was Horror Soup. I'm Caleb. Yeah, I'm Bree. Goodbye. And uh, yeah, podcast. Bye.